1: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
2: Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes, Gregory Hall, and Luke Jacked and Flapped and Coffee-Fied Buxton. This is On the Beat Live. It is Tuesday night. 906. I think we have a few viewers in the live stream. If you have any questions or you want us to talk about, certainly send us to send them to us in the chat. Tweet us whatever you need to do to get your questions here. I do want to take a second to send a shout out to a Inside Carolina listener that loves some Inside Carolina and loves Carolina, Mr. Art Close. Art, thinking about you, buddy, uh, we'll do this podcast for you tonight. We'll talk about Carolina football and the spring game and Mack Brown. I'll start with Greg Barnes first. Oh, yeah. Rate us, review us, subscribe, follow, however you want to do it on the podcast. They're free to subscribe to, folks. So when I say subscribe, you don't have to send any money in. So subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Get these alerts. Greg, uh, Matt Brown today, I guess pre-spring game press conference. I felt like he was to the point and talked about his expectations, what he wants to see on Saturday and then the aftermath that they will deal with as a staff and a team after that. I thought he was pretty impressive today.
3: Yeah and I, you know, he's made a point really since he came back um, that he's going to be forthright and honest and um, if that means harsh, then so be it. And I really think because Mac this is his last stop. Um, he's not, looking for another job. This is where he's going to retire. I mean, this is this is home to his wife, Sally. Um, you know, North Carolina is not going to fire him because he's, he's had so much success here and he's, he's a Hall of Fame coach, national champion, um, that he really has the platform to speak up and say a lot of things on a national level and people will listen to it. Um, and it also allows him to be very frank with his coaches and his players. And we have heard, I mean, even last fall, when things were not going the way he wanted them to go uh, he was pretty hard on his coaches he's not placating anybody his goal is to make everybody better and to do that uh, you have to be willing to uh, to strip down a situation and really with how the transfer portal is set up coaching staffs that don't take that approach are going to hurt themselves and so I, I think the fact that that mac has been up front with the kids and say look you got 5 weeks of spring ball you have 15 practices we are in a, a very strange time this is unprecedented uh we have a transfer portal that's going to open up in July or it's going to your, your your date is July 1 to make a decision if you want to play in the fall somewhere else um you've got all these financial implications so he's been very forthright with them and said look this is your time to shine. This is your time to show us what you can provide for this team. And after these 15 practices and after the spring game on Saturday, we're going to evaluate all this film and we're going to decide, okay, this guy right here didn't play as well as we thought he could. We think he has the potential to be on our two deep and they'll provide that information or this guy, he busted his tail. He did everything right. Right. He's just not good enough to be the type of guy that's going to help us win an ACC championship. And I think by having those hard conversations, it it allows the kids to say, okay, well, if I want to play and play serious minutes and serious snaps, I'm going to have to go elsewhere. Um, And it also allows, by doing that, it allows the coaching staff to brace for whatever exodus may occur. Because there's a lot of things that come into this are going to be strange. Um, one thing that he pointed out, for example, if five guys leave, you don't get to bring in five guys to replace them. That's not how the initial counter rule works. Uh, you, you, the transfers out don't eliminate the initial counters. But the transfers in add to it. Um, so there's a juggling act that's going to take place. Uh, And so those conversations, I I think that says a lot about how Mac Brown is running this program. Um, And it it is harsh, uh, but it's honest. And uh, the way that we've always talked to our children, for example, is that we're going to say a lot of things that you're not going to like, but we're doing it for the best of the family. We're doing it for the best of you. And at some point, you're going to realize that. Um, And I think, I think everybody's on board with that and they're willing to have these difficult conversations and it'll make the program a lot better at the end of the day. Um, But that approach, you see it in all of his conversations with the media, you see it with things that he says. So when he says that a kid like Miles Murphy is having an incredible day at practice, your your ears perk up because he's not blowing smoke. He's not going to offer that just to build up somebody. And if he's critical of somebody or critical of a position, again, you pay attention because he's not just saying that for, for no reason. He's being honest and forthright. And so uh, there's a lot of value in that. And yes, Tommy, I thought he was, he was on point today. Uh, He wasn't in the mood kind of to joke around. He was, he was straightforward um, and get a lot of information that way, a lot of valuable content.
2: You know, I I know I'm going to date myself and I get that, but Mac Brown 1.0 was the same way, and he sacrificed uh, an average season for two bad ones by cleaning out the closet, and and he did that. Um, I knew guys on that team. I knew guys that had played a lot uh, before Mac had gotten there, and he flat-out ran them off and, and got rid of them because he didn't believe that they could help him and help the team accomplish their goals, and ultimately he was right. He starts with a better floor um, that Larry Fedora left him, and he's done wonders with it. But you're right, Greg. He's still going to do that here. The only thing that you mentioned, and Luke and Gregory, you guys can chime in here, that is a little concerning for me is, okay, he's going to run – well, he's not running anybody off, but he's going to tell people this is it. If you want to stay, you can stay, but you're not going to play or whatever. But he can't replace them. That, as far as a numbers game, is a little concerning – from the outside looking in, Luke, and you chime in here, you could get yourself in a situation where you're short if Max not careful. Is, is that a fair statement?
0: Yes and no. If there's one thing I've learned from Matt Brown's press conferences is the guy loves depth. He loves depth in every position. It's what he's been trying to build up over three years. I've also learned that Matt Brown's a pretty smart guy. I have a hard time seeing a situation – or he knows if he runs some players off, even if he's honest, he's going to leave himself without um, certain weapons and, and, you know, in the two and three spot. I think the guys he's going to tell, maybe not, maybe not, maybe now is not your time or this place is not your place. I think he's pretty confident that this place is not their place. And if he has to put him on the field, he has bigger issues. I think Matt Brown knows the balance between being able to be brutally honest and helping guys out because that's another thing that Matt Brown is. He really is caring, as Greg mentioned. Whether it doesn't seem like it in the moment, when he tells someone this is not a place, you're not going to get time, I think he means and I think he's going to try to help them go to a better spot. But I don't think he's ever going to sacrifice that for what he loves and what he thinks builds a program, which is
2: depth. Absolutely. Gregory, your thoughts on that. We're already getting questions coming in and we'll get to some of the questions, but I got to get some things off my chest before we get to the questions. Uh, Gregory, your thoughts on Max Presser.
1: I mean, yeah, Max Pressers are always pretty substantial. I mean, everyone is multi thousand words and he loves to talk and he loves to, (laughs) sometimes he repeats some things. And when it comes to, I mean, we talk to him every week, which is, can be a rarity sometimes in programs. Um, like, I mean, I don't even know how many times he's gone on a transfer portal rant, which are valid. Um, they're always valid, but he went on another one today. Um, you can kind of, Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic was on there today um, to ask about um, the transfer portal. And so I was talking to uh, Chapel Fowler over at Fable Observer, and I was like, incoming rant. And then Six minutes later, Mac's done talking about the transfer portal. <laughs> um, but to Luke's point, he's exactly right. Um, Mac's not going to hurt the program. He's going to do it what he thinks is best for UNC. So I don't think you can kind of leave yourself short. I was thinking about how much Matt cares about recruits. And he's talked about looking forward to 2022 classes, 2023 classes, and even further. Um, And if having these conversations with guys at the end of the spring and the summer being like, look, this is where this is how we see you helping us this season. And if guys want to leave right now, it's uncertainty of what's going to happen in the future with bringing recruits in and things like that. So then that potentially could open some spots and your scholarships. I mean, right now, I think Max, one of his largest concerns is whether or not 85 scholarships is not enough. So I think that kind of plays a role as well um, as far as moving forward with kind of the super seniors and things like that and recruits and coming, bringing that in. Um, But yeah, and then transitioning to what Mac was talking about with the spring game, I think he was very clear about what he wants to see um, on Saturday comes the conclusion of spring football. Excuse my I don't know if you can hear my dogs in the background, but they're going crazy.
2: So can you like get the dog on camera so we can at least see? It looks like a yip yip small. There's dog. There's two
1: of them and they're chasing yeah. each. It's bedtime, so they're literally doing circles right now. And my mom, I don't know if you can hear, her, but she's like she's chasing them because she's trying to trying to get to bed. Yeah, so.
0: Tommy over under Gregory's dog being one
2: ten, foot. Ten you tell you, I'm going uh, These
1: are not my dogs. These are my mother's dogs. These I've got they? a big.
2: I've got a big hound dog. Okay. This go. big, it's got like you, you get them groomed and stuff. She does. They get <laughs> tomorrow. Good. Actually, they're going to get groomed tomorrow. Man, is uh, there a uh, daggone blackout version right there? So I can just black that corner out of the screen. Go ahead, Luke.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say I mentioned to hear everyone's thoughts on the current state. We know we know Max expressed his opinion, but the current state of the transfer portal. The way I see it, and i will said preface it, and just I'd love to hear your opinions. Is we've set up a system where we we're in 2021 and we we're all about players rights and we want a great grant player autonomy, but also it's kind of like free agency, but without, you know, salary caps and owners and uh, player unions. And it seems like the rules within college football, as Mac mentioned, you know, X number of scholar, 25 scholarships, um, 80, 85 roster spots. I don't know the exact numbers. And then also in combination with, this rule, especially the one-time transfer rule, that gets passed where people can now go if any other place if they're not happy. It seems like the two systems don't exactly work in uh, tandem with each other. I'm kind of want to get your thoughts on on the whole situation of the transfer portal, basketball and football. I'll
2: I'll get mine in, and then smart man in the room can get his. And folks that are watching on YouTube right now, Gregory's gone to chase a um, couple ten-pound dogs. Uh, you you know we talked about this a little bit on Inside Carolina Live on Saturday. There's no in Mac, This is part of Max's rant. There's no guidance. You know, you Max said there they are. I knew it. I knew that that was what it's going to be. Folks listening to the podcast, just imagine a ten pound dog that barks a lot. They were just on the screen, <laughs> um, but and they would bite your heels really bad. So. Mac mentioned the team had 90 players in the portal. I mean, that might be some exaggeration, but that is insane. And the question is, where do all these kids go that are in the portal that don't have a landing spot, Greg? And that's not just basketball. That's football. 1,800-plus in the portal in football, 1,300 in basketball. I mean, yeah, it's free agency, and the big guys, the big names can go – and and improve their lot but what about the regular guys that for some reason thought that the grass was greener if this is all about student rights or athlete rights and all that stuff what happens to those guys
3: uh they they lose their way um it's a lot of them will end up at fcs schools i imagine um but i I think this kind of goes back to the whole thing of Because college football has become such a big thing, because the NFL has become such a big thing, and therefore recruiting has become such a big thing. Um, We have a full-time recruiting analyst, Don Callahan, for good reason. He's one of the best in the business, if not the best in the business, uh, and it's a full-time job. And fans want to know about every little thing that pertains to recruits. But because of that, all of these kids are getting all this attention when they're dominating at their 1A school or their 2A school uh, as the next big thing, the dominant in the rough, the next five star. And they, they hear this just time and time again. And they're so good at the high school level that they don't care what stars they are. They think they're going to get to the next level and they're going to be the man once again. They get there. They meet some adversity. And they don't say, oh, okay, well, you know what? Maybe I wasn't as good as I thought I was. I'm going to tone back my expectations. Uh, and I'm just going to work in and do my best and try to get playing time. Nobody says that, especially not an 18, 19-year-old kid. They're still thinking, well, it's just not the right place for me. Like, like I'm doing everything right, but the coaches, eh, you know, the players, eh. And that's, that's where we get to where we are. And so I, I really think – while there's such an incredible influx right now into the portal in both sports, this is a tough uh, learning situation for the foreseeable future for, for young kids coming up, because I don't think the portal is going to be this congested in five years because they're going to understand, Oh, okay. Only 25% of those guys actually went somewhere else. Ooh, that was not a good idea, even though it looked enticing at the time. And I think a lot of these kids that are in this situation, unfortunately, it's not going to end well for them. Um, And hopefully they can find somewhere where they can play. But a lot of them have really hurt themselves by taking this approach. And um, I don't know really what else to say than than that.
2: So let, let me clarify some rules just so I'm completely on point. June 1st is the last day to enter the portal this year.
3: July first. July
2: first. So I can push all the way up to July first, and then I can enter and be eligible wherever I end up this fall. In the fall, correct. First and fall I get, camp a month later. Right. Exactly. And I got. You can
3: transfer time. whenever you want to transfer, but if you transfer after July one, uh, it's not set yet. But the plan is, if you transfer after July one, there's going to be some clauses in place that will make you have to sit out a year.
2: Okay, but everybody gets a one time. Everybody gets one free pass. Is that the rule now? All athletes, basketball and football?
3: That's that's where it's
2: going, yes. So basically, okay. And basketball
3: can, basketball this year is just a one-year thing. That's,
2: they're not, that's, that's the tell, weird thing about it. Okay. It, it's insane. <laughs> I mean, and, and, the, and the thing is, is I'm sitting there trying to figure it out, and I'm thinking in the back of my head, the NCAA doesn't know either. I mean, maybe somebody does. Well, Max
3: said. Max said today, if let's for example, let's say you have 22 kids in two weeks from North Carolina, say you know what, Uh, we want to transfer. We don't think we're going to play a lot, and 22 kids depart. Well, North Carolina cannot turn around and bring in 22 kids to replace the 22 that just left, because they count the new kids coming in count as initials. Each year you can bring in 25 initials, 85 total. That's the entire amount you can have on the team. Each year, it's 25. So if you have 22 to leave, if you've already used up your 25, you can't bring anybody else in.
2: That's ridiculous.
3: And the NCAA has not addressed that yet. So there's a lot of little things like that that still have to be ironed out. And here we are. I mean, we're making progress. It's a snail's pace as usual with NCAA. Uh, But these are some of the concerns. And that's why Max says the reason that North Carolina recruits within its tight footprint is because kids that come to UNC, they want to play for Mac. Yes. They also want to play in Chapel Hill because their family can come to games. They're close to home. They want to be there. And so you're not going to have a lot of kids transfer, whatever school he's talking about that maybe had 90 kids in the transfer portal. I mean, I I don't doubt that there's a lot of, I mean, Kansas States, they had like 50 some transfers on their team a number of years ago. That's how Bill Steiner had so much success for so long. Um some of those schools. I mean
2: you're gonna have high load. schools when you got like 25 kids on the whole roster and yeah. they're all playing both ways.
1: Bunch of I mean, max one of the largest, like Greg said earlier, just like talking nationally about issues and things like that. Like people care what Mac Brown says, and he's been openly frustrated with it and will love to talk about it. Like he's not when when I when he goes on these rants, he's not just talking about them. Like you can see that he gets worked up sometimes because he's like I mean, get it figured out, man. Like, because he cares about
2: the kids. Come on, like, man. Exactly right.
1: <laughs> classic, classic. And, and
2: he's not just talking to you guys on the Zoom. No, no. He's talking to everybody on that. He knows they're going to
1: be watched and heard and read, and he's like, like, come on, like these kids deserve better. When he's when because when Max says, "I've got parents texting me like, hey, like my son's interested, and we know you're interested. Like, what's going on?" Max, like, we don't know. Like, we can't we don't want to offer your son a scholarship and then not actually be able to deliver when it comes to filling up the roster. So like, yeah, it's a, it's a mess.
2: A couple housekeeping things before we go forward. Somebody asked a question about the recruit list on the game for Saturday. Don Callahan has got a scoop uh, on the inside Carolina premium tar pit board, but I will give you a heads up Ross Martin and Don Callahan are recording a scoop podcast tomorrow. Um, And I'm sure Don will load you up on all your scoop needs and all your football recruiting needs there um, so we won't steal any thunder and um, there's
3: a there's a lot of big name guys on that list tommy
2: yeah i mean it, it is going to be loaded in keenan stadium so you really hope for pretty weather and all to work out for matt brown to showcase the program and don will be on us uh, with us and joey powell on inside carolina live on saturday leading into the game at 3 forty five, somewhere around there if you're watching on ACC Network, all right, Gregory Hall, I'm gonna give you one free transfer question. You get one free question that you can ask to Luke, myself, or Gregory or Greg, and I'm putting you on the spot. Right now? Yeah, you get a free question. Um. Okay.
1: On Saturday, who do you want to see outperform expectations? Luke, go. <laughs> I
0: feel like this is just bullying for the younger guys. Um, <laughs> you want? Yeah, I'm going to give a lame answer, but maybe it's not lame. We'll see how people interpret it. I would love for Grayson Atkins to just come out and just nail some 50-yarders, left hash, right hash. I think if he can hit all season – because he was, he was good last season. He had some shaky moments. But if he can come out and he's a player, I I love I, some kickers, man. I was a Fogo in high, in high school lacrosse, and I kind of understand the, the kicker life of canopy in that group that no one really cares about. So I'm going to give Grayson Atkins, show some special teams some love, and if he came out and just nailed like a 60-yarder or something crazy, I think that would be awesome.
1: Luke Buxton, the outside outsider looking in on the the kicking team.
2: Hey, I don't I don't see that one happening. Didn't Mike say he hadn't missed but one or hadn't missed the first day of the he practice? said he hasn't missed all spring. Is that the jinx? Is that the cover jinx? The coach speak jinx. You know, Greg, I'll ask you this question. Is there a position on any sporting team that's less thought of but more important than a kicker? When uh, Peyton
3: Manning uh, dogs you, I mean, (laughs) the nicest guy on the planet, right? And he's dogging his kickers. Um, Yeah, it's such a strange thing because how many games come down to the last minute and come down to an extra point or a a field goal to win? Um, I mean, Casey Barth, his legacy is based on a kick against Miami on Halloween night, what, 17 years ago. Wow, that um, I mean, I guy I hadn't bought a drink in Chapel Hill in 17 years.
2: Connor Barth, Music City Bowl, Tennessee.
3: Yeah, right. Absolutely. So I mean, there's there's tons of those guys.
2: And then you um, think about missing Virginia Tech and six overtimes, missing kicks. I won't call names. And... Yeah,
3: yeah. It's weird. It's such a weird thing. And you know, even in practice, I, I've always got a kick out of that. It's like early on in practice, they'll be working on special teams, and the kickers are out there. At least this is under Fedora. This is this is not a Mac Brown thing. But once they got ready to start with the offense and defense, it was basically like, Hey kickers, get off the field. And they would go over to the lacrosse stadium or lacrosse field at Old Navy Fields and they'd be over there kicking by themselves for the last like you know hour and a half of practice. <laughs> such a weird thing for such key figures on the team.
0: So weird. Yeah. That was me and lacrosse when i don't know if you guys know lacrosse but faceoffs happened after possession then they would do the drills and be like fogos get the hell out of here we would just just doing this for the whole rest of the practice like what are we doing we're just be cutting up just having fun and when i went to the uh, open practice uh the other day the kickers were just doing like medicine ball abs (laughs) while everyone else is doing full contact i was like this is so strange these guys are so important so that's maybe a a weird answer, but I'd love for Grayson Atkins to go out and, and hit some crazy field goals.
2: Cool. One thing, and I'll still somebody that Matt Brown mentioned, um, I want to see Miles Murphy show out. And I know he said he's had a great practice today, but for me, I've said all along, for Carolina to be better than folks even expect this year, it's got to be on the defensive line. So I want to see Miles Murphy because I think if he can be a monster for Carolina on the defensive line, then I think Matt's got him something. In 2021, Greg, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I, I think we, we hear the names Ritzy and Silver, and we know about Vahasek and uh, kind of the big names. But if, if any of those um, less known guys, you know, Hester, Varner, Jalil Taylor, if any of those guys have really popped this spring, and it sounds like Hester has, I mean... Then you're just stacking talent on talent, and that's what they need. They they need to be able to to have defensive line as a strength, because that that'll that'll help them out so much in what they want to do, what Jay Bevan wants to do. Um, see, so yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I feel like we've we've harped on the offensive line and defensive line for so long, but there's a reason. And uh, the difference in North Carolina competing for the Coastal, winning the Coastal, and actually competing for the ACC. I think it begins and ends with the defensive line. And so if, if any of those guys that maybe we've overlooked really end up having a really good year, uh, that certainly helps in that regard.
2: Yeah, Why did Texas A&M end up beating Carolina? Because their defensive line stepped up. Their offensive line did too, but their defensive line stepped up and held Carolina to whatever in the fourth fourth, fourth quarter same with Notre Dame. I think this, that, that's overwhelming, the key. And somebody mentioned a guy like Kyler McMichael. I saw that in the YouTube chat. Those guys benefit greatly from a defensive line. Um, and I say it all the time because I mean it. I mean, that is where it begins and ends for this team to be really good. Let me talk about Johnny T-shirt right fast. Johnny T-shirt sponsors. I know folks like to hear me talk about Johnny T-shirt. Because Johnny T-Shirt brings you these podcasts by their sponsorship. And they're also great friends of the Inside Carolina Premium subscribers. They provide all the swag that you could possibly need. And they provide Carolina fans with a place to go to get quality gear and support locally owned and operated. There are plenty of places to get Carolina gear, but there are very few places to get from folks that went to carolina put in the work and built the business at johnny t-shirt and johnny shirtcom another short break for the audio podcast to pay the national bills we'll be right back on the beat live All right, boys, we're back. Let's answer some questions. Well, Greg
1: has to give. Come on
2: now, Greg,
1: Greg's did turn. You,
2: did you answer Greg, or did you just riff on mine and not answer?
1: He riffed on yours.
2: Okay, Greg, who's got to shine for Carolina in spring game? To answer Gregory's question,
1: I mean, you made me ask. Greg's got to answer. You know, uh, yeah.
2: G yeah. Biggie over here. You carry. you brought the yeah. dogs on, so I'll, I can give you a free question.
3: Uh, I'll provide a specific to my to my rant, my, not a rant, my rambling. Um, yeah, Hester or Varner, how about that? Two big guys in the middle.
2: Defensive line, that's where it's at. Uh, Greg Barnes, can't wait to get Greg's thoughts about swapping Conley and Chapman around on defense. Conley, too talented to take off the field. Where does he play? I'm not cool. – wherever he plays. I think Conley's on the field for 80 snaps a game if he has to be, but where's he? where's he getting those?
3: Well, I think it's an interesting conversation because I think there's two ways you can go with it. Number one, I think clearly the fact that Jay Bateman has a lot of different options up front, the defensive line that we've talked about, uh, is going to put him in a situation where Taman Fox does not have to play the end position anymore. Uh, Kamon Rucker is playing a little bit at end, but they're going to be able to use him at outside linebacker, which they didn't last year. And so what that means is, they're going to have three big bodies pretty much on the field all the time. Uh, and then you can move to Mon Fox and, and maybe Rucker to outside linebacker. So that gives you a, a, a true traditional three, four look. And when you do that, you're removing a defensive back from the equation. Uh, and as everybody knows, you curious, Conley was nickelback last year. He, he packs a punch, uh, very athletic guy. You like what you have at cornerback. You, you feel like you've got three guys that are NFL caliber um, and Michael and Groms and Storm Duck. And so now you're talking about, okay, well, you've got Conley. If you're going to remove Nickelback, uh, what do you, where do you put him? And so Don Chapman played some at cornerback last year, did not play any at Nickelback. At the scrimmage on Saturday, they worked him specifically at uh, Nickelback. They moved Conley back. Alongside of Trey Morrison. Morrison, if you remember, played Nickelback majority of his career. Uh, and due to some injuries and other things, they've had to put him back at safety. He's really more of a utility guy. I don't know that they want him at safety fully. They like to be able to move him around. So now you've got different pieces that you can mix and match. And then you get into the idea, and, and Matt kind of squashed any idea of any conversation about scheme changes. Um, which i get that's that's kind of what he has to do but all the rage now uh defensively you know in the middle of the country is what matt campbell's doing at iowa state um and you know they've they've kind of turned his defense which is really a a 3 with two cornerbacks on, at, at man coverage on the edges uh but in that 3 one of those three safeties uh can come up and do anything and can come up and support and run, can cover a linebacker, can cover the running back out of the backfield. Uh, and teams really don't know what to do. It's kind of a different look. You know, it's kind of the whole idea of uh, not only positionless defense, but, but trying to confuse and trying to take away the advantage of spreading the field both horizontally and vertically. Um, Jay Bateman's a smart guy. No doubt everybody's looking at what Matt Campbell's doing. So you also have that in play. You know, is that something that will transpire in the fall? We'll have to wait and see. We don't know at this point in time. Um, but you've got a lot of different options there. And, and Jay Bateman, uh, as, as Max said today, uh, they've got a lot of different uh, schematic options they can do just because they have more bodies and they have more talent. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch. I, I think we'll see a lot of new things from Jay Bateman this fall. Um, but the key is to get your best 11 on the field. And if they they really think Conley is one of their best eleven. You can't keep him at nickel back if you're going to go with the 3-4. It doesn't work.
2: So, So, if they're not going to play a nickel, then you have to pull one of the corners. So, you've got Duck, McMichael, and Grimes. I would think Grimes is not coming off the field. So, that leaves who on the other side? Is Trey Morrison playing another safety if Conley's back there? I mean, where's this depth chart for the defensive backfield you know injuries will sort it all out eventually it usually does but going in with the clean slate what's the depth chart back there greg i
3: don't know that they know to be honest with you Um, certainly we don't know but trey morrison is a veteran he's a leader back there he's played in a ton of games Uh, they really like what what don chapman brings to the the table they feel like he can play three different positions Uh, and then you know conley is what he is i mean I think Conley has the potential to be an enforcer back there. Don't want to go so far as to say Cam Chancellor, but, I mean, the way that he laid some hits last year, that's who comes to mind, right? Legion of Boom kind of thing. Uh, and to have somebody like that on the back end with those cornerbacks, um, that'll go a long way. And so I really think it's going to be a matter of who who pops for them uh, both this spring and in training camp. Um, but that's that's why they're playing all these guys at different positions right now. Because if if you can mix and match how you need to, you can really get creative. Like you don't have to mess with the cornerbacks because they're set. Uh, but you can do a lot of different looks. I mean, you may see Jeremiah Gilmore as the only linebacker out there. And you may have those three safeties up. And Conley may be able to come up and play a little bit of a hybrid uh, linebacker role. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can do. And, and Jay Bateman does a lot of creative things. I'm, I'm sure we'll see some unique sets for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about positionless basketball. I think you'll see a lot of that from Jay Bateman. I mean, unfortunately, this day and age, you got to keep guys happy. Um, but they're at a situation where they don't have to play guys 60 or 70. I think Mac specifically mentioned Rava Vahasic playing 70 snaps in the past, maybe get him down to 40. Um, you know, you can do that across the board with everybody on the defense and you can keep guys happy i'll be interested to see who starts between duck grimes mcmichael conley morrison who else uh, cam kelly
0: cam, cam kelly and maybe don David chapman Collins.
2: don chapman i mean that's just those guys have all i mean you could make a case
1: like greg said with jay Bayman getting crazy to where you've got mcmichael uh grimes Morrison, Conley, like all of those guys on the field, like Gimmel, the only linebacker. You just go through it. They could all you could have six or seven DBs on there.
2: So I to have like seven. Four, have six. Four, one,
1: six. I don't even know if you could put a formation to that. It would just be the six DBs and then your big bodies on the front. And Tommy, you mentioned Ray Vahasek. Something that stood out to me today. Matt called Vahasek small. Ray Vahasek is a big boy, but you can call him small because you've got Hester, Bingley Jones, Silver, Ritzy, like guys that make Vahasic look small. Like two years ago or last year, Vahasic's like the biggest guy they got out there. I just I just wonder that was a little off the side, but when you brought up Vahasic and Vahosik being called small, I mean I don't have the roster in front of me, but he's I mean, I'll pull up his it, it is
2: it, it's just fascinating to see. The transformation in just two years. Uh, I mean, and you got a guy like Rucker Luke, who is little comparatively speaking, but the dude makes plays. Uh, I mean,
1: Vahasic is 6'3", 300
2: and he's little, and he's Mac little no to nobody. Mac Brown. Yeah, well, that's, that's football so, coach. Well, right? What? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, they've they we talked about it before, and I heard folks reference it on other shows i mean 10 guys over 285 or whatever but they've got playmakers luke and i think rucker can be one of those guys i always thought to be honest with you immediately when my when i first noticed him i said what's javante doing on defense Um, same number and all so that's my oldness kicking in but i think they've got playmakers all over the field we've talked about line we've talked about that but rucker off the edge i think gives mac and jay bateman a ton of options too
0: yeah, I mean, Rucker, uh, I'd love to see the comparison between him and Javante in terms of size. He looks like he could be a running back out there. He's a little bigger. He's probably 260 compared to maybe a running back who's around, like, maybe 220 at, at its high end. But he is athletic, which I think I, I love about Rucker and I think what Mac Brown loves about Rucker, especially in the Bateman scheme. Like, they just need guys who can get on the edge and, and rush the quarterback and also you – know, and then stop the run, get back in coverage if needed. So I think what this UNC team is really is really prized on is just having athletes on defense. Even if you look up front, Dez Evans is an athlete. He can stop the run. He can watch. He can rush the passer. Tamon Fox, Hop, Collins, Hester. These aren't just big dudes who are able to you know get some momentum on the line. These dudes can do a lot of different things. They're versatile. Uh, and then personally, I love the backfield. I think I'm, – I'm a fan of the nickel. I think they should go five DBs. You just have so much depth back there and so much talent. And then a coach like, like Dre Bly um, and Bateman coaching corners and safeties. I think this position group is going to be fun to watch. So if you can get enough push in the trenches and they finally have the size to do so, and then you can have some athletes who can rush on the edge and then five dudes back in coverage – We're locked down corners and safeties. This defense is going to be exciting. You got them, then you have three years of Bateman, three years of its scheme, no brain drain. I think we're going to see some really fun things happen on the defense side of the ball this year.
3: Yeah, Tommy, we talk about every down backs, and I really think that uh, we should start thinking about that defensively as well, especially on up front, but really across the board. When we talk about Conley and what he can do and Chapman playing three different positions. But one thing Max said earlier, and we talk about pass rushers, that, that kind of stood out to me is he mentioned, you know, Clyde Pender is a guy that is a good pass rusher. And so on obvious passing downs, um, you know, he may work himself into some playing time. I think that's important because we know there's a lot of talent in these underclassmen uh, groups of kids. We also know there's a lot of inexperience and there's a lot of rawness. There's no question that Keyshawn Silver and Javari Ritzy three years from now have the potential to be you know, first team all ACC guys. The potential is there. Is it there now? Mm, we'll have to wait and see how they develop. What we know though is that they are incredibly talented uh, and there's probably certain things that they do really well. And so let's just say for example that that Ritzy um, is really able to get pressure on obvious passing downs from the end position. Well, maybe he's not an every down lineman, but maybe you can throw him in there alongside a pender on third and you know twelve. And now you've got something effective. And the same goes with, you know, Tamon Fox, I think is probably an every down guy. Maybe Rucker's not quite there yet. But if they think they can turn him loose on the edge, I mean he's lining up at the nine technique, which you know, if you if you go back to the Lawrence Taylor days, I mean, that's way outside of the tackle. And that's like where the tight end outside the tight end would be. So that's basically lining up far from that tackle and just making a beeline for the quarterback and hoping nobody chips you. Um, and so that's a, those are unique things that these guys are doing. So you may not see the same 11 guys on the field all the time. It may be very situational and because they actually have depth. Now you can do that. And you talk about the quarterbacks. If you're playing against a team that is air raid and they play with four wide receivers you maybe you'll have all three cornerbacks on the field, and one of the cornerbacks is playing that slot inside guy. Uh, and so you know, that's that's why you train, you cross train, and you try to build that versatility. So you have all these different options that you can do.
2: And yeah, I mean, it's fascinating to see the options. Go ahead, Gregory. I'm sorry. Oh,
1: everything Greg just said is exactly why Mac talked about literally cutting Vahasic snaps in half because they're not worried about a fall off. And cutting his snaps in half is not because Vahasek isn't the best out there he's still their guy in the interior but if you can only play him for 40 45 snaps he's going to be fresh on every snap so like that's where it's you can go from 70 to 45 and be okay because Vahasek's still gonna be an issue and obviously he's interior and he's not gonna set up in the in the nine and stuff like that but you, you don't you don't need guys like that every single you don't need every down backs. Like we talk about on D- I mean, I know we should Greg just said that we should talk about that as far as defense, but like, you don't need that when it comes to your D line, especially with these big bodies, that could get tired and things like that. Um, I just want to say that. And then I had a question for y'all, what you guys think about Tony Grimes and if he is capable or you think he's at the point of his, I guess, career um, where he's on the opponent's best receiver for like the entire game and then the rest can kind of fluctuate or around schemes and things like that offensively, or is he going to stay boundary corner wherever he's playing? Do you think it's going to be something like that? Cause like you see in the NFL defense's best corner is on the offense's best receiver. Do you think a guy like Grimes is there yet? Or Bateman will even do that? I just, something popped into, somebody mentioned that Grimes is going to be the best player out there. And it's just kind of something that popped into my head about what you guys thought about, about that.
2: So Let's talk about in relation to Dre Bly. And Dre will say he had 13 interceptions his freshman year. Um, He had 11, if you count NCAA stats. (laughs) The bowl games didn't count back then. But he also had Robert Williams on the other side that had 20-some pass breakups. But even though Dre was that good and Robert Williams was that good, Dre's numbers dropped the next year because teams learned how to – they had tape, and they learned to be able to exploit it a little bit. Now, was, right. he was still really good, but he didn't have – he wasn't 13 interceptions good. Tony Grimes had – where do he start finally? Uh, Wake Forest game, midseason, he really came on. What I'm looking for from Grimes, and Greg can expound on this or take a totally different approach, is how good is he now that teams have tape on how he plays does he get better sure he gets better but other teams also adjust it's not a zero sum game and so how will mac use him i think grimes needs to prove that he's that guy that can follow the best receiver all over but if we're talking about three solid corners whether it's duck or mcmichael or grimes i don't know if there's a need to run your best corner over to the best receiver all the time greg what do you think
3: yeah, that's really more of an NFL styling. I mean, you do have unique situations in college, but typically college coaches, and, and Bateman does this most of the time, is you have your, your boundary corner and your field corner. Um, and, and that stays pretty true. And that's just kind of what you want to do defensively with your sets, that those guys understand those positions. Can they switch sides? Of course they can. Uh, but you kind of you kind of set up more in, in that package. The other aspect, too, and, and Gregory, I'll put you on the spot, Aaron Crawford was the highest rated defensive player on North Carolina's team in 2019, uh, according to pro football focus. Who was number two?
1: I've got got a Tommy Ashley type memory over here. Old man memory. I have no, I'm not, I'm not going to try to guess. Storm duck. Oh, I could have gotten that right.
3: He only played two games last year, but had higher grades than anybody else. Um, I say that because Tony Grimes, I think, has a ways to go. Um, is he is he got a ton of potential? Yes. Can he be great? Yes. Um, but I think he's got some more developing to do. I think there's a little bit of too high of expectation put on him right now. L- allow him to grow into his role. I mean, this this is still a young kid. I mean, he was supposed to be in high school last year. Um, so this is like his fresh, true freshman year this year. Uh, give him a little bit of time to come along. Uh, McMichael didn't play a lot at Clemson last year was really his first year. And he was kind of the key guy they leaned on Uh, storms coming off injury. So I think the fact that you probably have three guys who are all pretty even and they're all really good kind of gets you away from the idea and say, well, this guy clearly is our best corner. We have to put him on their best guy. Uh, I, I think, you know, unless somebody really emerges, which we haven't heard anything to suggest somebody has, uh, Bateman's going to be comfortable and rotating these guys and really allowing them to kind of get comfortable in their specific roles without trying to match. As I said, sometimes that's going to happen for sure, Sure. but, but I don't think that's going to be a consistent thing throughout the games.
1: Since you brought up PFF, can I quiz you? Who was the second worst PFF defender on UNC last year? Chaz Surratt.
3: I had a Chaz, Chaz, right? Yeah.
1: (laughs) It was – I mean, and the guy below him played, like, two games. Like, his PFF stats last year are just abominable. Like, it's kind of And that's
2: that's what I've always – like, everybody (laughs) says, look, Javante is the number one rated running back in the nation on PFF. Do we really think Chaz Surratt was the worst?
1: Defender on Carolina last
2: year? Yeah. I mean, it's just a weird stats. Let me say something uh, as far as snap counts. And, and Greg, I know you, this is something that you and I talked about a lot in the years past. For the longest times, Larry Fedora and then Max' first year, you had to – was Aaron Crawford at 60% better than whoever back up at 100? And that's the debate they had to make. And Aaron Crawford and uh, – who was with him? down... Strowbridge. 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 They played like twice as much as Clemson's guys did or more. Maybe even two and a half times as many snaps. Now Bateman doesn't have to worry about that as much or at least it seems that way and that's what I want to see from the spring game and then going into the season is my starter, whoever that may be, is his 85% better than his backup's 100%? I think that line is has gotten a lot thinner, um, and if they can get these guys at 50 snaps a game maxed out, situationally applies, then I think you got something on defensive line because Clemson's dudes, their best dudes. All these dudes that got drafted for the defensive line, they played a third of what Carolina's comparative guys did in their careers, and it matters. But it also matters because they were good and they had backups. And I think that's where Carolina's getting. Let me flip to the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, we got to talk about backup quarterback. Greg.
3: Let's you're talk see, about Sam Howe. You're going to see,
1: see a lot of backups on Saturday, uh, Tommy.
2: Wh- okay. Yeah. Let's go with Sam first. And Greg, let me ask you we heard what Longo t- said he needed to work on. What have you seen from him? This spring and y'all's ability to watch those open practices that he has worked on what Longo discussed, whenever that was pre-spring.
3: Well, we haven't really seen them and and the kind of a live contact situation where you can really judge his ability to uh, move around better in the pocket, get rid of the ball faster, those kind of things. Um, just because. Yes, they're putting pressure on the quarterbacks, but it's two-hand touch. So it's a completely different element there. They know that they're not going to get rocked. So I don't know that we'll, we'll see that really until the, the fall. I think the main thing with him is really developing as a senior. I think it was telling that Mac Brown said today that he had Jeremiah Gimel and Sam Howell talk to the team after practice. That speaks volumes about where the coaching staff kind of holds those guys in regard. Um, and I think that senior leadership is very important, especially with the young guys, but just the the scrimmages that we've watched. I mean, it's, it's a a beneficial thing for the defensive backs because how does not miss and, um, you know, all quarterbacks miss some, his misses are, are so tight. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen anybody pick him off and there's been a few pass breakups. Kid's good. And, uh, he's so good that it's easy for us to overlook him and really focus on other competition battles. Uh, but he he just continues to get better. He has an internal drive. And I, you know, I think Mac Brown and this entire staff, they're they're giddy with excitement about what can be this year, but all of that starts knowing what they have at quarterback.
2: Mac specifically said, "Look at all the pro teams great quarterbacks the college playoff teams great quarterbacks i mean it starts and ends there and that is what's ridiculous and i'll say this and i'll get out of the way for greg and gregory gregory and luke we don't talk about sam how the dude's probably the greatest quarterback I ever played at carolina we don't even have to talk about him on this show that that is that is bizarre having covered carolina football and been a carolina football observer for many many years luke what you got well sam i think
0: Along the same vein of we don't talk about them, it's the same thing with like players don't have to think about it. When you're when you're going to schools and you're going through recruiting pitches and and you're on the team, having that kind of staple comfort zone at quarterback is so important. And the conversations that I've had with the guys to have like an anxiety and stressful situation to make if your quarterback's gonna go out there and you have no idea how they they're gonna perform. It causes a lot of downline effects on the team. Um, so having someone who has leadership capabilities and has a skill level to go up there and you know do well, it's so reassuring for not only us fans and us uh, and, and coaches, but also just players themselves. Um, I did you guys see that tweet that Sam Howell put out that went viral about uh, Dan Cats making, Katz fun,
1: making from fun of Big Cat,
0: Big Cat from Barstool. Tommy, Greg, you guys see yeah, that.
1: Yeah, so I'm Greg doesn't even know who Big Cat. Is I
2: don't. I
3: guess Greg is Woods.
2: Twitter.
1: G, G Biggie is not on on
0: Twitter. Tiger, so. Tiger so Woods is Big
3: Cat to me, right? <laughs> equally
0: competing <laughs> podcast um, in terms of views, us and us and part of my take. Um, right. I'm just kidding. But someone put out Sam. I love Sam Howell, but da da da. Wait, to which Sam Howell responded, and and Big Cats. Not he's bad. A, He's maybe he's a hefty big boned. Too. He's big boned. Responded. I love Big Cat, but da, da, da Wait, I was like, that is my quarterback. Like, I hey, take passing yards, touchdowns. That's my quarterback.
1: So <laughs> to give you think- some perspective, Barstool Big Cat has 1.2 million followers on Twitter, and he's just, just having a, dis- And he's having discourse with Sam Howell.
2: Like, just a few more than big deal. Just a yeah, few. Just- I mean, Howell is a generational talent, and the thing is, is he doesn't look it, but he does it, and it's it, so it's it's pretty interesting to see. But, Greg, and I started to go to the backup quarterbacks. Do Drake May and Jacoby Criswell – is there pressure on them to to try to be better than maybe they're ready for or try to be as good as Sam Howe? I mean, what is that dynamic with these guys? Because Sam Howe's gone after this year, barring something we don't know about. How much pressure is it on these guys to be that guy?
3: Well, I think it's important. and I, I know I had a, had a friend who's a big Carolina fan the other day say, did Mac Brown really say that they expect Sam Howe to leave next year? Not surprised that Sam would go, but that Mac would openly talk about it. And if you think about it, it's, it's genius because he's saying, we understand the reality of the situation. We understand that Sam's probably going to be a top five pick next year. And so th- this next year is a competition for the starting job in 2022. And I think that's how Chriswell and, and Drake May really need to be looking at it. Um, yes, Chriswell did not have a spring practice last year, which, which hurt him a little bit. Drake May is completely new. And so Chris well certainly is ahead of May and you know to my untrained eyes, watching scrimmages, I mean I think clearly Chriswell is ahead of May right now. Uh, May has plenty of talent, big arm, good athlete, those kind of things. So it's just a matter of him kind of getting used to what he's supposed to do. Um, The hope this spring was for Drake to really just kind of learn the offense. And then really as they get into training camp, that's when the competition I think really kind of ticks up. Um, And even if Chris Well is the the backup officially in the first couple weeks of the season, I think they're going to give Drake plenty of time because uh, they they understand as well that Sam's likely gone, uh, and that they've really got to make sure both of these guys are ready. Because spring practice next year, I mean, that is going to be the competition that we all talk about. We haven't talked a lot about quarterback this spring for obvious reasons. Next year is all we're going to be talking about. Who who takes the reins from Sam Howe? And so I think it's I don't know that it's pressure, but I think the clock's ticking. Like they they need to get this done quickly. And there's not a lot of time. They're going to have playing time a little bit this spring, or this fall. I think Carolina will win some of these games big enough that they'll get some reps late. Uh, but, but this is their proving ground, and this is their opportunity to, to separate like, like Mike Brown talked about.
2: Luke, I'll let you uh, start the process of closing this one out. I mean, I think the spring game is going to be very enlightening for not only folks watching from the stands, but guys playing in the game itself.
0: Yeah, I'm just excited. I'm, I remember I got here freshman year. it's like spring game happened, and we were just, I think, sitting up in a tree talking and drinking um, lemonade. So, I'm, like, they were, we didn't even care about the spring game. It was just some afterthought. And now all my buddies are like, can you give me tickets? And I'm like, man, I'm an intern. I can't you get your tickets? Like, I, I got no power here. But now everyone's trying to go. So I think just the excitement around Carolina football, like we are back as a, as a university to finally having excitement around a program in which no one could give you know, a single care about back in um, you know 2017. So let alone what happens, how well they do, I think there's going to be a lot of you know, parts they need to figure out, but just the fact that it's sold out in what, less than two hours, that's what you need for recruitment, for the players, to build momentum into a season. Um, and it definitely is a different vibe in Carolina and Chapel Hill about Carolina football.
2: Gregory, you up.
1: Yeah. Max thing today when asked about what he wanted to see on the spring game that he hasn't seen in the previous spring practices was clarity, at his skill positions at running back and wide receiver, because he doesn't know who's going to be the guy. I mean, Ty Chandler has shown has been impressive, but the other running backs have been up there. The only receiver that's kind of separated himself as kind of the guy is Josh Downs, whereas the other six or seven all make plays, but haven't really gotten into that upper echelon of like, Hey, put me out there every down. So he's been challenging them for a while. And so I'm excited to see that about who steps up. And Mac even said, look, some of these guys haven't played, in a long time, like you've got high like some of the early enrollees, they haven't played a game, didn't have a high school season coming in the spring. And they're going to be in a spring game, granted, against their own teams, own players. But there's going to be 10,000 people in the stands. I mean, hopefully weather holds up. So there actually are 10,000 people in the stands. But I mean, how many of these guys have ever played in front of 10,000 people? You know, um, so I'm just excited to see who, what young guys stand out if there actually can be some separation at those skill positions, because last year, as we all know, it was, we weren't worried about the skill positions this year. It's like, who can be those consistent, not just the big plays. Cause we know Josh Downs can make a big play. We know Antoine green, Emory Simmons. We've seen them make big catches, but can they be consistent? And with Bo Corralis and Trophy Brown, not really being a factor. Now's the time. Right, Because come summer, those guys are going to be in there and might be immediately inserted into some of these guys' spot that they've had all spring. We'll make it on Saturday so when those guys return, that now it's kind of a question of like, instead of slotting them in front, they're slotting you right back in next to you and the competition can get going even more come come, uh, August. So that's what I'm excited to see is which receivers step up.
2: Greg, you agree with that to close us out? I do. Keep it short and sweet. See, that's how you keep it short. I
1: didn't get an eye roll. I was waiting. I didn't get an eye roll that time. Uh, Good
2: job, my Vaughn. Yeah, I I mean, it's crazy how we – there's a position we always look at every year and running back and wide receivers on offense this year. um, Quarterbacks will be next year. Defense is going to be loaded, I think, from here on. I'd like to see everybody stay healthy. I'd like to see the fans that got tickets come to the game and support the team. And something for the listeners of this podcast and the watchers and all, Buck Sanders, Jason Staples, and myself will do a day-after podcast on Sunday morning just like normal. Get our spring game reps in, getting ready for the offseason. That'll do us for On the Beat Live. I've been your host, Tommy Ashley. Greg Barnes, Luke Buxton, and Gregory Hall, Man in the Wheels. Johnny T-Shirt is our sponsor. Support them. Rate us, review us, subscribe. As always, we'll talk soon. Greg will have a ton of content up, and Luke and Gregory will do the same. Be good. Be safe. We'll see you soon.
1: Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.